mysterious sport. The team whose logo is in this envelope will have the first pick in the NBA draft. Watch James. Now wanted a timeout, but too late to get it. And five minutes go up on the clock, overtime here in game one. Will Giannis win a title in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform? It's hard for me to say that, Jay, considering how loaded the Lakers are. I don't know if you've been watching uh, Taylor Horton over the last couple of days. Uh, what if those mysteries could be solved? What if those conspiracies are reality? Okay, I'm rushing through the intro because the Nets Celtics game just finished, and if you watched it live, you understand that we're going to get to it. Welcome back to Hoop Truther Pod. One day every week, uh, Sundays typically dropping on Mondays. Joining me, as always, Nick Andre at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. One of the busiest men on Twitter out there dropping articles, new stuff out there, including an article on the Bucks and Bulls. We'll talk about that later. Dre, happy Sunday. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Uh, Ramadan Kyrie cannot be stopped. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Ramadan Kyrie did get stopped today, but before we talk about that, let's introduce the guest for the week. It is the Hoopers Pod at Hoopers Pod on Twitter and the two hosts, Jonathan Dubia at Jonathan underscore Dubia and Worldwide Fresh at Worldwide Fresh, Fresh X. Welcome to the show, boys. How are you? Good, man. What's going on? How y'all doing? And we are doing great, and we're doing great because the playoffs are finally here for the for the NBA starting yesterday. Games all day like a football Sunday, and we are here on Sunday where I think the best playoff game we've seen so far just happened. Nets Celtics. Dre, you were coming on, and you were going to rant about stuff. Give me a couple minutes. Well, I was I was going to rant because in the middle of the third quarter, Steve Nash had hot for a minute with a super tiny lineup. Like you have a lineup of Kyrie, Bruce Brown. And who else was in there? Uh, Seth Dragic. Curry. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or Dragos as well. And then meanwhile, on Boston side, you got Tatum, Brown, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart. So there's a reason why they were down 15 and they were getting cooked and they were just getting out muscled in, um, in the interior. I don't know what it is with Steve Nash, man. Um, to me, this series is really going to go down to coaching, in my opinion. And it's clear that we see that Ime Udoka is by far a better coach than Steve Nash, in my opinion. So I know that Kyrie ended up going off. So that was why, you know, the Nets were in. Were, um, Obviously came back in the game, but I don't know, man. It's, it's just it's just tough to win whenever you have like such a big lineup like Boston has, and then you know on Brooklyn side you have like such a small lineup. I I understand that Bruce Brown does can play big at times, but we got to remember he's also six three as well, so he can't really defend guys like Al Horford and the rest of those guys. All right, as Dre just recapped a little bit angrily about the coaching disparity in the game, here is what happened. The Celtics beat the Nets 115-114 on a pretty wild buzzer beater play at the end of regulation there. The big differences here, as Dre alluded to, was the size. The Nets are rolling out smaller lineups with a lot of guards, including Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Goran Dragic. And the Celtics are going big, starting both Howardford and Tice. You can see that in the rebounds. Uh, 43 to 29 total rebounds, Celtics with the edge. 14 to 5, almost 10 more offensive rebounds for the Celtics. Hoopers, let me start with Fresh. 
Uh, what did you guys see from this game? How much does it tell you about the series? Right. Uh, and Nick, to your uh, interesting thing to what you said about the coaching, people remember May was an assistant with Steve Nash last year. So that's true. Kind of knows what he want to do. Um, but the the size is, is definitely going to be a test for the Nets because the Celtics have bigs that can switch. Al Horford's a really good perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. He always has been. Um, so they, right. they're really going to what they do when they try to go small because the, the uh, Celtics have always played kind of small lineups, but they have such long players or whatever. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of balance that out. Uh, maybe you don't see the John, what did you see? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. The same course, Andre Drummond got his fourth foul. There was just nothing they could do to counter Boston interior defense or rebounding. And then a lot of that side by the KD, they would get physical with them. Contested shackles, they're long, they are long, strong, they're long wings in Boston. Say Al Horford and Daniel Price being able to switch on the perimeter, even for just a couple seconds on the perimeter, throws the Nets whole offense out, which we know mm-hmm. feels they whole team, including the defense. And when those small players can't get those shots off because it's a 6 8 player defending it, it just right. makes everything look sloppy, honestly. Passing lanes, like say shooting lanes, everything. So Boston going big is probably going to be the key to the series, unless Steve Nash can figure something out for it and counter it. And let's not forget that the Celtics are playing big and are playing without their best big man in Robert Williams, who's still out with a torn meniscus. Uh, might show up at the end of this round, more likely second round, whether you agree or not. He should play. That's what his return is supposed to be for the team. So let's start with Al Horford, who's been on the team forever. If you know the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and um, their master, the meme where he's holding them as kids and then they all grow up and they're holding him as in that's what Al Horford is to the Boston Celtics. He was there when young Jalen, young Jason Tatum were out there, even when, you know, Kyrie, which is a pretty big deal for this series. Um, and he's just doing his game. Like you guys said, one of the first centers out there to shoot threes, but also very versatile on the defensive end. And Daniel Tice, who, uh, looked washed in Houston to put it nicely is back in a scheme that has played him in the playoffs before. So they're going big, but with the Nets, like you guys mentioned, Steve Nash is a vibes coach maybe, but he had email last year. They lost a lot of talent last year on the coaching staff with D'Antoni taking a consultant series too. Yeah, that's true. But there's options. I don't know if LaMarcus Aldridge can play a lot of games in the playoffs and a lot against a lot of teams, but against this team, if they're going big at worst, he can get you some rebounds. Blake Griffin look, I mean, without his shot is really hard to play, but in a series where Daniel Tyson, Grant Williams are getting a lot of minutes. You can probably get away with that. Any of you guys, do you guys agree with that? Are there other options on the roster? Oh, yeah, I agree. I think Blake, I think Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, this would be a good series for all. Like Marcus Aldridge matches up well with our horse or defense, like having that size and that strength, it'll, he can make it tough for Horford to switch. And when they do switch, he can take advantage of some of those mismatches in the elbow and in the post. And Blake Griffin is just, I don't know if he's going to, how good defensively he's going to be, but he's right. another 6'8, six, 6'9 six, guy that can kind of, def- not, maybe not defend the rim, but can protect some jump shots out there. Man. So I think those are the best two options right now. One of them has to play, at least one of them. I agree with Lamarcus Aldridge. Like, I would find minutes for him earlier in the year. He gave them good minutes, uh, yeah. especially mm-hmm. yep. 
he went through his health issues and stuff like that. So I would trust him more than Blake. Blake is pretty unplayable to me. So I, I just really wouldn't play Blake unless I absolutely had to, honestly. But I think okay. it's some room out there for LA. That's fair. Uh, Dre, any other thoughts on the matchup? Any changes that can be made throughout the series? I mean, yeah, at this stage, size is size to me. So it's like, you know, when you got LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, I know I know that Blake Griffin's kind of a, um, kind of a watch player at this point, but at the end of the day, you know, he's about 6'10 or so. You know, you just got to put him out there, especially when you, especially when you're matching up against Daniel Tice, Al Horford, and then like you, and also like you mentioned, Robert Williams might be coming back. I'm sorry, but you know, having Andre Drum is good. Don't get me wrong. Nick Claxton still gets me upset sometimes, you know, with, with, with the way that he plays. But at the end of the day, like you just, you just you, you just got to get size out there, honestly, because you can't have Bruce Brown playing the four and just getting cooked the way that he is. And in terms of size, there might be some uh, help coming that's not currently on the bench right now with the Nets. Ben Simmons, who I really didn't want to talk about this much about Simmons even after the trade finally happened, but it's supposed to come in. They're saying game four, game five, game six. Who knows if that's going to happen? But if he does come back and he looks healthy, Dre, do you feel that this changes things for the Celtics, or is that not enough size for you still? I think he can make a big difference if he's in shape and if he's healthy. Now, I don't, I don't know. I mean, no one's seen Ben Simmons in about nine, ten months, so it's like you know, like, do oh, we dear. know if he's really? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Is he in game shape? Nobody really knows that. So obviously, you know, if he's a hundred percent, yeah, he'll make a big difference. He'll make a big difference, especially defensively. But are we really banking on that for this team right now in the playoffs? I don't know. Eastside Johnny, how do you feel about Ben Simmons potentially coming back? Uh, it's, another, it's a defender for Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, which I don't think we really have right now. Like, Bruce Brown and KD is going to get a lot of those assignments. But where KD is right now in his career, he shouldn't be guarding either one of those players. Right. He's going to shoot over Bruce Brown, and that's just kind of – he's just going to be outmatched. So, having Ben Simmons can help with some rebound and defense and just pushing the ball and getting those shooters open shots, which – we all know they could use, honestly. 100%. So, just to let you guys know, we talked a lot about the size and Steve Nash's incompetence. KD didn't play well this game, 23 points on 23 shots. And after all of that, the Celtics win by one at the horn. It's a hugely contested game. A little bit of a rock fight there, especially with uh, Kevin Durant not playing as well. But it's clear we got probably the series of the first round here. Not that you're going to be tied to this for the rest of it, but let's give something for the audience. Dre, Ben Simmons or not comes back. Where do you see the series going and who's taking it? If the Celtics are looking like this defensively and Brooklyn doesn't make any um, any adjustments, I'm going to say Boston probably takes it in six. Okay. Hooper Pod, what do we got? I'm taking Brooklyn in seven. I think, yeah, I think as bad as KD looked, I feel like Boston played – Almost as good as they're gonna play. I hope gave you twenty and fifteen, and they yeah. they won off of two bad that defensive play, and then a bad offensive possession. And Marcus Smart ran a great pass, but they were kind of scrambling on that last play with the time running out. And, you know, so I, KD's not gonna look as bad as he's looked in Al Horford. Right. He's gonna do well, but he's not giving you twenty and fifteen every game. I got Brooklyn in seven. Not the attorney. <laughs> nah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Brooklyn in seven as well. I think eventually, Katie's not gonna let Grant Williams guard him like that again in this series. Like say Al Horford, twenty and fifteen, he might not get fifteen rebounds for the next two games combined. Honestly, he's still gonna be good defensively, but right. 
honestly, I think the Brooklyn should start Nick Claxton because I feel like that gives them mobility up front mm-hmm. to help Al Horford and Daniel Tice. They might still lose a rebound in there, but I feel like he's a better starting option than Andre Drummond right I'm now. I'm surprised they did that too, but they tried those. My I don't know, man. Like my my heart wants to go Brooklyn so bad, but man, that that Celtic defense is smothering, is smothering, man. Like it's it's crazy. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know the like Brooklyn, they they have they have the superpowers in Kyrie and uh, KD, so that's obviously going to help them prevail over the series. So if they're both cooking at the way that the way that Kyrie did at least in his game one, then they could definitely take the series. But I don't know, man. It's tough. Let me say, I love how Jason Tatum played. I love the challenge yeah. they taking. I don't know. We noticed, but like he he's guarding KD, mm-hmm. and then he had seven assists, I believe, in the first half. So I can't yeah. take it away away from the Nets. I mean, uh, excuse me, from Celtics at all because they they look like they can make a run. But um, I like the Nets' chances. Tatum looked grown up, um, and it's not just KD. Every time the Celtics play another elite wing, he typically takes the assignment. So especially with Bradley Beal, who's a good friend of his, they always take pride in those matchups. It's crazy. So we've got Brooklyn seven on the bottom here, and Dre's at Boston and six. I don't think these uh, the foul, the physical play is going to play as well in Brooklyn than it is in Boston. Not that Brooklyn has a home court advantage, but it's not going to be as lively as a crowd that I think for the referees. Uh, I think it's going seven either way. And I think if Simmons comes back at the end of it, it's actually going to create more confusion for the Nets. I'm going to go Boston and seven at that point. And we're going to move right along. We're going to talk playoffs. But I want to do one thing on the uh, the plan really quick. So uh, Clippers and Spurs are out in the West. And on the East, we've got Charlotte and the Cavaliers. Dre, give me one thought on Charlotte being eliminated in the plan. It's going to be a long summer, honestly. And, um, you know, we can basically look at this team and just say that this team has just been bad defensively all year. Like, you know, giving up, I think, around, like, 130 points to the Hawks in that game. I mean, we understand that guys like Trey Young went crazy. Uh, guys like DeAndre Hunter and others also had good games. But just all year, Charlotte just has not been great defensively all year. So that's going to be one of their biggest assignments probably this summer is grabbing somebody that who can at least set the tone defensively and have somebody that can um, – that can definitely uh, bring 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 a like make a big impact on the on the end of the floor. But uh, besides that, you got to give credit to Atlanta. You know, for that team to be as bad and inconsistent as they've been all year. Of course, you know you got Ice Trey leading the way, especially in that Cleveland game, really taking over in that fourth quarter and then making the playoffs. It's, it's just remarkable to me. Two straight plans, two straight almost thirty point blowouts for the Hornets. Uh, Eastside Johnny, give me one thought on the Clippers being eliminated in the plan. Um, I picked the Pelicans because I just feel like the Pelicans had the better matchups and the better mm-hmm. players. Because at the end of the day, being a good team overall is great, but if you don't have one player or those two players who can get their own bucket when you start to struggle, it's going to be hard to win these situations where it's going to come down to possession after possession after possession. And I think that's just what happens to the Clippers, even though they made that run to close the gap and even take that lead for a second. Brandon Smith was refusing to lose that game as. Honestly, the second best player on the court at the season. The Clippers uh, didn't have Paul George for their playing game due to health and safety protocols. The Clippers, notably one of the worst luck in NBA history in all of their playoff series, and this is just another long run in it. Fresh, let me get a thought on the Cleveland Cavaliers after a great season that ends in a little bit of sadness in the play. Yeah, tough season for them. I think they just got hit with the injury bug, and they couldn't overcome it. Um, 
but I think they go into the offseason feeling good about the growth, like what we saw from Garland in the play game. And Mobley, I think really highly of Evan Mobley. I hope he has the other year. Um, I think Cleveland has a bright future. And I, I've got to give credit for Jared Allen for good and out that game. You could tell his hand was hurting him, but he didn't want to lose for his team. He made an impact. So Cleveland got a good future. Cleveland does. J.B. Bickerstaff, top five coach in the league this year. J.B. Bickerstaff, great coach, finally on a spot in the league after a lot of interim positions. Uh, you know it's been a rough year for injuries for Cleveland when they talk about the injuries and forget to mention uh, Ricky Rubio's ACL, which was the first that really set it all off and was probably the biggest part of their team that went down for a long-term injury on that team. As far as the Spurs go, you know, I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but last year they had a lot of uh, – uh, someone was talking about on this on a podcast. I can't remember which one, so sorry if I'm stealing your content. But last year they had all these veterans like Rudy Gay, um, and they were 10th, and they played in the plan, and they didn't make it. This year they had like the third or fourth youngest roster in the NBA and were the 10th and didn't make the plan. So there's the same thing. They're still getting a lottery pick, so they get to see it. Plus, they got two more picks in the Derek White and the um, Thaddeus Young trade from Toronto in this tra- in this draft. So they're going to add their talent to a core of DeJounte Murray, first-time All-Star, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, who showed up, and Joshua Primo, who for an 18-year-old, an 18-year-old at the end of the NBA season, still 18, looks pretty good for his age. So the Spurs are doing fine. I don't think Spurs fans nor the team is too upset about this playing loss. But let's move on to the actual playoffs because they're here. Let's go most boring games to the most exciting. Uh, and then we'll do series they haven't played yet. So uh, today, Miami, Atlanta, 30-balled them. I watched the game in disgust. but That's the most boring game to you? Absolutely. Well, there was a rock fight, but it was a close rock fight yesterday. I Today thought we were going to go uh, Dallas and um, Utah. Yeah, we'll get there. It's going to be the second most boring. <laughs> I, we don't have to send shots to Utah right away, but Miami-Atlanta, 30-point game. Any of you hop in who wants to start, what was the first thing you noticed? I'll let one of them go first since they uh Atlanta natives. Miami wasn't giving Trey those easy looks off the picks, which I, which I think Miami saw that second half of that Cleveland game. They realize they want to get Trey Young going in the pick and roll and get a big man on him. And Bam out of bio, as loud as people talk about, he is one of the best defenders in the league for any position. Yeah. Just having him be able to switch and get out yeah. of yeah. off the dribble, not give up those long threes or even foul them jump shots is super, was super important to that game today. And that just that sets the tone because now Trey doesn't get any easy looks. He can't create for anybody else with assists or playmaking and just it throws the whole team off when you got somebody that can box in trade like that. You make the defense a box man like that because nobody else is a consistent one on one score right now on that team. Yeah. Elite elite defense from Miami taking trail of the game. Duncan probably seen this three pointer. He's eight for nine. <laughs> so uh, Miami is not gonna stay around with Atlanta. They know that Atlanta is dangerous, but they also are thinking past the Hawks and the elite teams trying to compete for a championship. You the one they the eight, they trying to get rid of them. So they, they play great defense. That's Atlanta played terrible, terrible. Yeah, it did. Trey, what did you notice? Anything else? I mean, I'm basically just going to reiterate what my guys basically said. I mean, um, Trey Young was definitely smothered by the Miami defense. You got to give him credit. But I will say, though, like, Trey is one of those guys, like, I'm, I'm just going to continue to believe it just because, I mean, he's shown me time and time again. So I'm not going to bank that Atlanta's going to win the next game. But I, I can definitely see, like, a – 
30, 35 point effort from Trey Young in uh in game two. I feel like he's gonna bounce back tremendously. I think he I think he knows like you know what adjustments he's gonna have to make. I think Coach McMillan understands as well. So I'm not gonna bank that the Hawks are gonna win and tie the series going back into Atlanta, but I'm definitely gonna see um, a better trade game than what we saw today. Yeah, I agree with that. Trey's definitely better game too. He'll be ready for game two as well. He better be. <laughs> We're gonna see Miami at home gets a lot of advantage. They're another team like Boston that can play really physically, especially at home. And that really got with Trey Young. They're putting the hurt on him, you know. Um a lot of uh, errant elbows and stuff to trade. Nothing really dirty, but it definitely, you know, impacts how he thinks about the game, how he thinks about getting into the paint, and Miami specializes in that. John Collins is gutting it out there, barely mm-hmm. able to play. Shouldn't be out there, in my opinion. Really gruesome uh, finger injury that he's got, and he's been dealing with a knee thing as well, I believe. Bogdan Bogdanovich, who has been great for the two playing games that they were in, wasn't able to do much in this game. Uh, that defense really gets you there. It's the same with Danilo Gallinari. Besides Trey, do you guys see anyone stepping up in this series, or is it pretty much? I mean, I might think that they're toast, but is there anyone else you think is capable? The, the main player for Atlanta is is DeAndre Hunter. He's always yeah. the wild card. For That's what I was thinking. A lot of his progression kind of got stunted with him being hurt and in and out, but he's a guy that can – he's 6'8". Uh, he has a high release. He can get, he can create his own buckets. So he can kind of compete with the physicalness of, of uh, Miami. Um, they're gonna need him to step up and, and be, you know, they look at him as a player that could be a running mate with Trey and maybe someone else. So you know, they need him. They're gonna need him to play big this series. To me, it's Kevin Hoyer. Like Trey needs something. Like somebody has to be able to hit open shots to release yeah. some of that pressure on Trey on the way. And Kevin, and it's not going to be Bogey because I feel like who's ever guard Bogey is not going to let him get any breathing space. Right. And we need the Hawks need somebody to counter Doc Rivers. Like I say, he missed one shot today, and if we don't have anybody shooting like that. I don't think that defense is going to let up. I'll trade all anybody else, especially since John Collins is truthfully still hurt, and there's no right. pick and roll trade with Clint Capella being out as well. Last year in Game Seven to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, it was Kevin, the guy Kevin Herter, who stood mm-hmm. up almost yep. thirty points against the Sixers. Among other reasons that the Sixers lost, Kevin really helped them out there. Um, I know one of our favorites, Jay, is out there. He's never going to make—I mean, not at this point of his career—an impact offensively, but kind of like a baby Bam energy from Onyeko Kongu. Do you think that? This game is too physical for him, this series with the Heat, as he still needs to put on some muscle, or do you think he can stand out in a big way? I think this is the series that's going to prove that it's going to show if he can or not. I feel like Bam, I feel like Bam is going to use in every game because yeah. at this point, Bam has been to the NBA Finals. He's been all He's playoff ready, and Bam is going to take, take advantage of a young player who's still trying to figure it out. Like, Big O is physical enough for it. But I, don't, I just don't think Bam, P.J. Tucker, just something like uh, Morris, whenever he comes back, like, I don't think they're going to let him get like, – they're not going to get let up on him, so it's just going to be tough for him to do anything, honestly. It's not a lot to talk about, I think. Duncan Robinson had eight or nine threes. Monster game. Playoff career high for Duncan Robinson, $90 million man showing – hopefully in the playoffs why he's worth that and not a bad game from playoff Jimmy which has had a negative connotation since the incredible finals run in 2020 
I don't think there's a ton to talk about in this series. It's the one eight matchup. It's actually the one nine matchup. The Hawks were the nine seed that made it out of the play in. So I'm going Heat in four. I think game three in Atlanta is going to be close, but he the Heat are going to close it out, and the other ones won't be close. Dre, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go Heat in five, honestly. Um, okay. I think I think Atlanta will probably still win in game three, and then after that, I just feel like Miami's just going to keep the momentum rolling. I just think that they're just too physical, and they're just um, they're just a team that's really rolling and got everything clicking right now. Hooper's pod, what do you think? I'll take the Heat in five. Um, I could see Trey. Trey's gonna have a big game. I could, I could see. You know, we Atlanta has such streaky shooters that they're gonna have a game where they don't miss. Uh, both he gets hot, and uh, yeah. he, when he gets hot, he looks like one of the best guards in the league. <laughs> so I could see them just having a game at home, more in particular, where they just can't miss a shot. Sure. And uh, but I, I think Miami will have those. I got the Heat at six. Okay. Definitely got the house with it one at home, just because that crowd is gone. Bring those shooters live, and Trey Young is just a player. He gonna get a role with. That's the type of player he is. That's the type of talent he is. Like he just wants to get it done. But Miami is just gonna smother him and make the hard for him to breathe. So yeah, Miami in the fix. So Heat and six, Heat and five, Heat and five, Heat and four. Um, listen, if there's a player that wants as much hate as they can on a podcast, it's going to be Trey. So. That's totally fine. If he's going to fuel him to a win, it'd be even more incredible. And I personally am cool with Miami in the first round. So let's move on to the second <laughs> most boring uh, matchup so far. And I don't. this one isn't necessarily their fault, but it's the fault of the basketball gods. It's Dallas and Utah, who it was a close game in game one, but the biggest story of the entire game was probably who wasn't playing, which was Luka, who – in a cruel twist of fate is originally suspended for the last game of the season because he got his 16th technical appealed that decision. They repealed the 16th technical. So he could play in the final game. And then he got hurt in the final game, a calf strain, non-contact. We don't know the severity. It's very hush hush. At least the first two games of the series, he is expected out. So they're playing without him and they grinded it out with Utah. Super slow pace, lots of big defense, and relying a little scarily along with just Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie as their primary creators, who did an okay job, I think, in that role. What did you guys notice from this 99-93 six-point game? Although I will say Utah did look like the better team, which you will when your best player isn't playing. But should you be worried if you're a Utah fan? I mean, I would be worried if I woke up and I was a Utah fan, but not like not existentially. I mean more so in this series. How are you guys feeling about this so far? Oh man. I, I would be worried, honestly. Utah just like I, I thought that Dallas would beat them if Luca was on the floor. Um, yeah. Luca Gobert took one shot and I feel upset for him that he got seventeen rebounds in one shot. I would I would have been pissed yeah. that I got one shot. Donovan Mitchell took twenty nine shots. Um, in the in the game, gotta give credit to Dinwiddie and uh, Jalen Brunson for trying to run the show. I think Jason Kidd has matured as the coach, which I can say because Jason <laughs> Kidd was a terrible coach. <laughs> but yeah. he, he's matured as a coach. I want to give his credit. Um, Utah, I guess, kind of looked like the better team, but the cloud is always gonna be about what if Lucas gonna come. And I kind of don't think Lucas should play. I don't think he should play. Yeah, no, neither. 
Uh, this was supposed to be the year that Luca got out of the first round, but if he's not 100%, don't risk Nestier for it, you know? Um, big story was that when you watch the Mavericks play, it's usually Luca punishing in the pick and roll or in the post on smaller guards. And they were doing it in Utah with their own guy with Boyan Bogdanovich, who would just get a switch onto a smaller guy like Brunson and just work the post time after time. It really broke them down in the second half. Uh, Dre, in terms of that, is that something you think that there's anything that they can do Dallas wise? I mean, not only are they down Luca, but one of their better perimeter guys and Tim Hardaway Jr. is also still out. What do you think? Unfortunately, I don't. I don't think anything will happen. I mean, I, I think Dallas will keep it competitive as as the series rolls on. But I think you know with Utah, with Utah being more healthy than that team, I just think that they'll prevail. Which is hard for me to say because for some reason I just do not like Utah as a team. I don't know why, but I think Utah right now is just, of course, the better team. But honestly, like I, I was watching the game yesterday. I was watching the end of the game yesterday, and like you know, considering how close. To, uh, considering how close it was, I was like, you know, Utah might be in trouble because you, if you remember, Donovan Mitchell didn't really play that well um, yesterday. But uh, Bogdanovich had a decent game per se, but and then uh, but then on uh, but then on the other side, you got Dinwiddie, you got Jalen Brunson, and then Utah only won by six. So I'm thinking like, you know what? Like I don't I don't know what the timetable is for Luke. I don't know if he returns this uh, this series. I I agree with y'all. I don't think that he should return. But if they do look to bring him back, that might be trouble for Utah. So if Luke goes out. Then of course I'll say that Utah will probably win it in uh, probably five or six games. But if Luca does play, then it, it, I think I think it'll, I think it'll get I think it'll get a little scary. It's all about just finding those other guys to do it. Uh, Hooper Pod, let's say Luca doesn't come back. I don't know how confident you guys are about the Jazz, but Jalen and Spencer can do as much as they can. Is there anyone else? Dorian's not a creation guy, but he's out there, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if Dallas can figure out enough ISO scoring to to win the series. Truthfully, and I think that's you know losing losing a player like Luka can definitely do that to you. He's an all world type of player. And Donovan Mitchell just being the best player play in the series, regardless of how bad he plays, he's probably gonna get the job done because yeah, that has nobody to oppose him offensively on the other side. Jalen Brown, especially there when he is good. But he ain't good enough to win a playoff series for him, honestly. Yeah. And Agreed. A bunch of kind of inconsistent. Jimmy Hardaway would be the guy, but. Like, I don't know if Dallas could do anything in the series. And it's probably just going to be a Utah win by default. Because I'm not playing Luka this series. Like, I know they say maybe four or five, they'll come back and look at it. I ain't playing them. Yeah. If you gotta wait to game four or five, I probably just yeah. Jason if they down, if they time. down like three one or something, then yeah, just sit them. Just sit them, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Cash trains are so are so risky, and I, I think yeah, it's really been on people's minds since KD's injury in the finals. Yep. Yep. I don't mm-hmm. even buy it. Yeah. I still have that nightmare of could the KD sock just his sock when uh, when that happened. Dallas, before we talk about um, what it's going to finish as, I saw this on Twitter. I think someone asked the question. All the teams in the league, best player versus second best player, does Dallas have the biggest drop from their first to second? I'd say probably, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, either Dallas or Atlanta. Who do you consider that second best player, Dinwiddie? 
right now. I mean, it was supposed to be Kristaps, and that never really worked out. Yeah. And, you know, he got injured and stuff, not entirely his fault. But, yeah, it's probably Spencer uh, Brunson for a lot of the season who's going to get paid this offseason. It's not great. It's, I, I, they don't have cast rates either. I have no idea what they're going to do. Well, it's okay, rough. I'm going uh, – let's assume that you uh, Luca doesn't play because if he's not 100%, I don't think any of us would play him. I'm going to go with Utah in six because I'm ne- they never make it easy on themselves. Exactly. I want to go Utah in six as well. Yeah. I think, yeah, we, I think six. They're going to they make it hard. They're going to beat themselves. I think at the end of the day, we all agree Utah and game pass second round at least. Well, I guess we meet the Suns now. Oh, yeah. The Suns is going to beat them up. (laughs) All right. Let's go to another game. Um, Let's see. Right now, the Bucks started the game on a 9-0 run against the Bulls, just so you guys know. Let's talk about one of the more exciting games from yesterday. Actually, no. Let's save the exciting stuff. All right. Warriors Nuggets. Let's talk about it. I don't want to hear – we don't have to hate on players, but there was a lot of discourse last night regarding uh, MVP front runners and, you know, narratives and things of that sort. It was a 16-point game. It truly wasn't even that close. If the Warriors wanted to, they probably could have 30-balled them, and Steph played like dog shit. I'm going to say it right now. Not that he's going to be bad for the entirety of the series, but more so to point out that he played pretty terribly, at least shooting-wise – and they still beat them really easily. Really shorthanded Nuggets team. Um, it was about Jordan Poole, and that's where I want to start. Let's talk about Milwaukee native. Big shouts out to Jordan Poole, who broke out with 30 points in his first playoff game, I believe. Anyone, open floor, who wants to talk about how good Jordan Poole is? I got this. Uh, all right. But Jordan is a – Excellent talent. First, first, I want to just give him his props, though, because, I mean, for him to fill in that role for Steph, you know what I'm saying, like yeah. being at that point guard position, that's definitely some big shoes to fill. So even though the Warriors definitely have their inconsistencies to like uh, to end the year, you know, for him to be able to step up and really lead the way has been tremendous so far. And that was that was on display, obviously, last night, you know, just him being able to uh, to dictate the offense and then, of course, you know, play at his pace. I think I think it was I think it was just phenomenal to say the least, but. It's kind of like you said. I mean, Steph obviously didn't play well, and they still won by about twenty plus points. So just imagine. Even though honestly, like I still honestly hate for Paul. You know, what I'm saying like whenever he comes off the bench, um, playing like playing next to Steph and Clay, just because you know sometimes he doesn't get the um, as much touches as, as he as he may need. But I feel like they'll be able to make it work. But just looking at this team, like you know, if Jordan Poole is able to play, is is able to contribute. If Clay is able to play at his level, Steph is able to shoot that shoot at that level. This series could possibly be over five, and in my opinion, and that's I know I know that's probably risky to say, you know, considering that Denver has the MVP in Jokic, but you got to remember, I mean, there's no Jamal Murray, there's no Michael Porter Jr., so who's really going to be that next guy to step up for Denver? So that's up in the air as well. It's not Aaron Gordon, <laughs> unfortunately. Jordan Poole, you have to give him credit. Like he had to, he started off the season so well. Then you get to the clay stuff. Clay comes back. He goes to the bench. That kind of shortens his touches. Then Steph gets hurt, so he's back in the starting lineup. He's played every role that they need him to play. He just got better and better this year. Um, I think he, he's going to be really big for the Warriors. I don't expect the Nuggets to win a game, honestly, just to keep it real. Um, but Jordan Poole, I think he's 
a lot of people are going to respect his game a lot more out of the playoffs because he's going to do a lot for them, and he's going that gives Steph time to get back in rhythm. They're not going to have to force it this series. I fully agree. I fully agree. And, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they got swept. The thing with Jokic is – 25, 10, and 6. It's great stats. He shot the ball decently, too, but he's not a volume scorer. And when you have no one else, a volume scorer is what gets you out of those games. Luka does a lot of what Jokic does on the floor, but he also puts up 40 points when he needs to in the playoffs. <laughs> Jokic doesn't necessarily do that, and that's not a knock on him as a player. I mean, that's why they surrounded him with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., two of the bigger microwave scorers in the league when they're fully healthy. But because of his more conservative nature, he's the, the game's best passer. Bar none, we don't have to hear arguments about it. But if he's passing it to dudes that aren't hitting his shots or dudes that are going to hit, but they're going to hit like two out of three threes, they're only taking three threes a game, it's not going to do anything against a team that has several guys that are going to score 20 to 30 points a game. It's an embarrassment of Riches in Golden State. Steph, who didn't play particularly well, but then you've got Jordan Poole, who's got 30. Clay Thompson, who's probably one of the fastest scorers in NBA playoff history with the way that he puts up buckets. Draymond hit a three last night. He's not going to be a nothing on the on the scoreboard out there. Andrew Wiggins you know, is out there. He's doing stuff. He'll probably, he can hit 20. Uh, sorry, that was really mean to Andrew Wiggins. Listen, he was an all-star starter and then did nothing for the rest of the season. My taste was a little agree. bad, but he can put up 20. He can put up 20 if he needs to. And that's not to mention guys off the bench like Kuminga and Moses Moody, who probably won't get a ton of run until they really need wings. True. So it's it's doesn't – I mean – we can talk more about the Warriors. We can talk more about the Nuggets. But I think at this point, it's just the pick-and-roll defense. It's not Jokic's fault that he can't guard two guys in a pick-and-roll like only three guys in the NBA can. It's just that Golden State knows that he can't do that, so they're going to put that in the situation every time. And they don't have any guard defenders. Aaron Gordon's a good perimeter defender, but he's not a guard defender. And Austin Rivers is probably their best guard defender. You're going to lose every playoff series in any season if you're playing a guy like Steph Curry. So let's do this. I'm going to give give Nuggets one. I'm going to give them five. Uh, one game in Denver because Denver is a good crowd. I do believe that. So one game like that and the Warriors shooting might not go on for one day, but Warriors are going to be rested for the next round. What do you guys think? Yeah, I got Warriors in five. Jokic is going to win one game in Denver, but after that, yeah, yeah, I don't see them winning another game, especially not in the State. So Warriors in five. I'm going sweep. Sweep. Trey? Pack them up. I'm going to say they get game three, and that's about it. All right, this is the last game that we're going to talk about that wasn't a great game to watch uh, or has not been played yet. And it wasn't close for much of it, even though there was injuries at the end of the game. It wasn't close for most of the game. Philly Raptors and Raptors were the trendy NBA Twitter pick where everyone likes to everyone likes to say that they're smart on NBA Twitter. And, you know, Doc Rivers versus Nick Nurse isn't necessarily a contest in sort of coaching, but... It leads you to forget who the guy that almost won MVP was this year, and that's what happened in this game. The 76ers won by 20. It was up by more than that at some point. Um, Tyrese Maxey is the story. We'll talk about the MVP, who could be Embiid. But, I mean, listen, we're talking to the Hoopers Pod, at Hoopers Pod on Twitter, by the way, and this 
playoffs so far has been all about the young hoopers. And I don't mean hoopers in just like the slang term. If you talk about basketball versus hoopers, shout out to Yoda if you really want to shout him out. Um, it was the young hoopers. Oh, my God. Weekend, man. And beyond Jordan Poole at 30, Tyrese Maxey with 38 points on great efficiency, hitting any shot he wanted. We saw him do this a couple of times during the regular season, notably – no Embiid or Harden for 76ers, and Maxi beats a fully healthy Miami Heat by himself. Great game. If you haven't seen it and you got League Pass, I recommend you go check it out. That's where the Maxi chance first started, but they were going in this game as well as they win by 20. And I want to start with the Hoopers pod, either of you, because this is what we're dealing with in Tyrese Maxi. As much as we talked about pool, tell me about Maxi. Come on. Yeah, Maxi. He's a player that takes advantage of every chance he gets. And playing in the playoffs with players like Joel Embiid and James Harden against a team like Toronto, he's losing players every every moment to injury. He's going to have so many open shots, open lanes, that I can see him averaging maybe not 30 for this series, but it's a good chance he averaged between 23 and 25 because I don't think it's good of a defender as Fred Van Vliet is. If he has to guard Maxi, Maxi, two, two steps, he's gone by. Like Maxi <laughs> yeah, is just yeah. the dribble. He's a good shooter off the dribble, off the catch. So as long as Embiid is out there and James Harden is looking, Maxi is going to eat every game. He probably might win the series as long as Philly stay focused on it. Yeah, he's coming with constant energy. Like the trade for James Harden, moving him off of the point guard, allowed him to yeah. kind of just play and not run the team. So he's really – because it's his second year, so he's still figuring out the NBA as he goes. It's going to be scary for teams without the next Great defenders in Toronto, especially Fred Van Vliet, who damn near might make an all-team uh, all team, all-defensive team this year. I heard some podcasts that are smarter than me talking about that. And, of course, they've got OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes. We'll talk about him in a little bit. A lot of these perimeter guys, Gary Trent Jr., it doesn't matter if you're not the fastest person on the court because Tyrese is. And he's just going to blow by you every single time. Mm-hmm. You saw it. And when that's working, you sag off of him, and he's got a jumper. And when he's feeling the jumper, you just spam that. That's all you do. You spam the jumper or you blow by them for the layup. And he was doing it over and over again for Toronto. And a lot of people, and I even personally thought that Toronto was going to have, obviously, more of an impact than this, but also could go on to win the series. They play a really great defensive scheme, much like Miami in the Eastern Conference. They're very versatile. But the one thing that they don't have is a single person. We talked about guys can't keep it with Maxi's speed, but they don't have a single body for Joel Embiid, who very well may might make the, the, All-Stars, uh, the MVP this year. And he didn't have a great game by any means. 19 points, 15 rebounds for a guy that was the first center to average 30s in Shaq, or before Shaq even, 1984. It wasn't a great outing, 5 for 15, but 9 for 11 from the line. And that's probably lower than what he's going to get for a lot of these games. Do you guys see any scheme for the Raptors? I mean, Kem Birch isn't guarding him. Chris Boucher is definitely not guarding him. And Precious Achiwa, who has tremendously impressed this year that Toronto's development team is unmatched beyond anyone beyond like Miami. He's not going to guard Joel Embiid. So do you guys see a thing? I mean, does it come down to Embiid? He played bad today and they won by 20. It didn't matter. I think Embiid's going to come back for another monster game. And I mean, basically like you said, I mean, he's really going to have a feast out there going up against guys like Boucher and Presses uh, Machua, honestly, because I mean, they're, 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 none of them are like, are, are able to really defend him, whether it's, whether it's um, under the basket or at least like, or at least on the perimeter. So with him, you know, leading the way, 
I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting another uh or I'm expecting a 30 point game at least in game two, but just kind of going back to Maxi honestly like I'm 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 happy that people are finally giving him his props honestly just because he's been doing this basically all year. I mean he's not scoring 38 points a game all year, but you know this is what he has been doing all year. You know especially you know with the with all the circumstances of, like with with Philly this year. You know with no Ben Simmons who is going to be the next guy next to Joel Embiid, and it has been Maxi for the most part. So I'm definitely happy that he's finally getting his props. It seemed like people didn't really start paying attention until James Harden got to the team, and, of course, you know, with Harden being the playmaker, you know, that, that opens up Maxi just being able to create on his own and just being able to be in attack mode. But this is something that Maxi has been doing all year, so I'm just I'm just happy that he's finally getting his respect. So let's talk about the bad news for the Raptors beyond the loss. It was a trio of injuries that really sucks for Toronto. Let's start with the smaller ones. Uh, towards the third quarter, if you were watching live, Thaddeus Young went down a little bit awkwardly and was immediately fidgeting with his thumb. They don't have a prognosis just yet. They said sprained, but I think he's still getting tests. He said it's doubtful for him the next game. Thaddeus Young, they traded a first four in the trade deadline, if you'll remember, from the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Gary Trent Jr., who they got at last year's trade deadline in what was the first of many robberies that the Portland Trailblazers were part of, has been dealing with a non-COVID illness. And if you watched, he was coughing a lot of the game and holding his chest. He's clearly not 100% right now. Gutting it out and play just like shit. I think it was two for 11 in 26 minutes. So probably give him the game off. And then the big one. I'm not going to play the, the the play on the pod, but Scotty Barnes, with what looked – after tests, it looks like it's nothing horrible, but was really scary in the moment. His ankle folds on a dry, uh, defending Joel Embiid, and Embiid steps on him. Inadvertent, not dirty at all, but that's 300 pounds of Joel Embiid coming on the side of your foot. In the moment, you'd think that he broke his foot, but he was able to put pressure on it when he left, and the x-rays were negative, and MRI, I think, is still scheduled. This was going to be tough for the Raptors, even if you thought they were going to win. But without those guys, specifically Scotty Barnes, who very well may win Rookie of the Year and was guarding and beat on a lot of switches, playing well. I think he was two assists away from a triple-double in his first playoff game. It's looking really tough for the Raptors. Have, do you guys um, – you can react to the injuries if you want. If there's anything else on the series, let me know. I think we're going to move past this one pretty quick. Yeah, the, the Scotty Barnes injury could be tough for them. Um, Scotty is really key to what they do, his versatility. And any help that they could do with Embiid is going to lead to, like, double. And he, he, he's going to be a part of those teams of trying to stop him or whatever. So um, I think not having Scotty is just going to make it harder for Toronto to, to really get a game. Um, they could really use Gary Trent, too, because he's had a couple 40-point games, so he can go off, you know, yep. any moment. You know, you need that in the playoffs. But – uh, Scott, Scotty, I'm, I'm glad as it looks because he's going to have a really good long career. Um, but it, it definitely looks bad. It, hopefully he can come back. But, um, you know, yeah. I, I would, I, I'll be cautious with Scotty, basically. <laughs> if he is hurt for the rest of the series, that's fine. As long as it's not like a 12-month rehab type of injury, that's all that you're hoping for as a Raptors fan right now. Um, Nick Nurse himself has said it's downfall for all three of those players for at least the next game. Um, They'll monitor them for the next 24 hours and see how it goes, but... They still have Embiid, who they really can't stop inside without fouling, Um, but... 
Toronto is allowed, like Miami and Boston, to play very physically at home. And the home crowd in Toronto is admittedly really great. They're going to win a couple of games. I've watched the Bucks for, uh, you guys know that I'm a Bucks fan, decade plus watching them, several series with the Raptors, and they always play bad in game one. They almost always lose game one against us. And just because they lost in bad fashion today doesn't mean they won't bounce back. Jurassic Park is a difficult place to play. If the injuries are multiple absences, as I believe them to be, I'm going to go Philly in six, especially because the home court in Toronto isn't just the physicality, but the lack of physicality from Matisse Thibel, who will be playing in those games. Don't forget. I've got Philly in six. How about you, Dre? I'll go Philly in six as well. I think, you know, basically what you mentioned on Jurassic Park is uh, is a difficult place to play. So I think Philly goes up 2-0. And then I'll say Toronto gets games three and four to tie the series. But then I think after that, Philly will take command. Hooper Pod, what do we got? Yeah, I like Philly in six. Um, I think not having Thibault in Toronto, they could steal some games. That way, Pascal could go off for the big game. But I think we could do that. If Philly is focused, I got Philly in four. I just don't think. Like, there's nothing they're going to be able to do with it. But realistically, Toronto could win two in Toronto. So, uh, Toronto, Philly. So, most of us have Philly at the, or all of us have Philly at this point. This could all change. It's been one game, but especially with the injuries combined, that looks like how it's going to be. Let's talk about the only other played game that we've had so far. And beyond the Boston-Brooklyn game was phenomenal to watch. And another young Hooper in the mix. Multiple of them, even. The 2-7, I tweeted this earlier. Like Jesus. Yes. He's playing like he can say whatever he wants. And he is saying whatever he wants in these games. The 2-7 matchup in both conferences, in my opinion, is the most interesting. Celtics-Nets and Memphis-Minnesota in the West. Memphis uh, jaw was um, publicly laughing with the tweets that he had after the Timberwolves were uh, celebrating after the play-in matchup to play Memphis. And Memphis has been a very confident team this year. Yep. They'll drop for game one. Again, it's game one. And it was a 13-point game that felt closer for most of it. But the big story is Anthony Edwards. And just like we did when we started with Golden State and when we started with – uh, I lost my train of thought. It doesn't matter. Pool and Maxi in Philly. We're going to start with Anthony Edwards, Ant-Man in Minnesota. Listen, Cat didn't have a bad game like in the play-in, and their defense was great, but Ant was easily the best player on either team yesterday. Fresh, I want you to start with Ant. Let's hear about it. Yeah. Uh, Black Jesus. Uh, I, I could talk about Ant-Man all day. Uh, they didn't get a, 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 they got a better game from Cat this time, but D'Lo didn't have such a great game. And I think right. we, uh, we got a show that come on uh, Nothing But Dead Radio on Monday uh, at, at three o'clock, and we said on there right before the play-in that this was going to be an introduction to the people who didn't know Ant Man. Right. And he's been making us look right so far. Thirty in the play-in, thirty-six. He can get. He he's so physical and athletic. He can get to the basket when he wants. When his jump shot is, is going, it's really nothing you can do with him because athletically he can dunk on anybody on the court. He has a quick first step. And when a jumper is going, it's just pack him up. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, I know he's gonna be. He he likes the energy of the because Memphis has a tough crowd. So you have to salute Memphis and their fans. They love their team. He talked about how even the kids were talking trash to him or whatever. And I think he he's a player. He feeds into that. He likes it. He likes. He, he's a gamer. He gets up for those type of games. Um, so I can't wait to see more from from him. I know he he. Playing against Ja that has MVP talk this year. So people are watching this game. So I, lo- I love what I'm seeing from Black Jesus. I think it's going to keep going. I think it's going to have a big series. Not sure if I got Minnesota winning yet with nobody in the segment. But yeah, love, love what I'm saying for Atlanta. And, you know, we're Atlanta natives. He's from real Atlanta. So I always like saying that too. Eastside yeah. Johnny, how do you feel about Ant? How do you feel about Minnie? First, Ant is amazing. Like, I don't think anybody can talk enough. I've been disrespectful, first and foremost. I've been saying that he has a chance to be the best shooter, going, which he does when Luca retires. That's first and foremost. Luca, point. I hit your Anthony Edwards is definitely made for these guys. Like, you can just tell that in his personality and his press conferences. Like, he does say what he wants because he plays how he plays and he put up the numbers that he put up. And I don't, as good as Desmond Bain is defensively, as good as they Ain't neither one of them strong enough or quick enough to really guard 44, regardless of Minnesota winning or losing. I just think he's gonna put up great numbers, man. I've really been high on Minnesota, especially after the off the breaks of Delo has been back. I've said it a few times on our shows that Minnesota's been might been really good at home, like since the all star break. I think they only got like two or three losses at home since then. They've just been good on team overall. And, they have a type of players where you can win these close games with D'Lo, who had, did have a bad game back yeah, So I don't think Memphis need to be coming into this thing if they just could win this series. I don't think Minnesota's going to give them a lot of their money. Yeah. They're one of the few teams where you can argue they have three players with an all-star potential. I mean, Cat was an all-star this year. D'Lo's a former all-star. And Mike Jesus hasn't made it yet, but he had a conversation this year. Sorry. That's tough when you got that. Ant's going to make it sooner rather than later, and it's not even just them. Good game from Malik Beasley, who hasn't had an awesome season, but he's capable of this shit. 8 of 14 from the field, 4 threes, 23 points. Jaden McDaniels was the best perimeter defender in that game. game. Jaden is – I mean, they've got Vando, but Jaden's going to steal his minutes at some point. If if you can't play them together, which you obviously should try if you can – Pat Bev plays what he does. Ten points, five personal fouls. Pretty standard Pat Bev line. Um, But making life difficult for the guys on the other end. And I think the big thing with Ant is people knew of Ant, but they didn't watch. If you watch, there are differences. If you know who Ant is, you know that he makes shots. He makes tough shots, and he talks a lot. Not necessarily talking shit either. He just is, you know, dripping with, with confidence, and he's letting it out all the time. But if you haven't watched you wouldn't know that he's bigger than the defenders are going to put him on dylan brooks is a big dude and he's a tough guy you know um i saw a tweet that said he's marcus smart if he wasn't good at basketball it's not it's not the worst thing i've ever seen he can guard dudes and he's got the build that is wild he's not even close to as strong enough to guard ant okay the guys that they got out there aren't going to be able to guard ant and then if you haven't even been paying attention He's young, and he doesn't turn on every night, and that's not a knock against him. But when he gives a shit, which is the playoffs, he's a defender. He, he, can, he, he puts right. down some clamps, okay? And that really translated with John Morant, who had a good scoring game, 32 points, eight assists. 
shot just okay from the field, eight for 18, and was a negative 16. Again, they lost by 13. So he was a negative for the whole, the entire thing. And part of that is Papev's defense, Ant's defense, and a great scheme from Chris Finch, by the way. Shouts to Chris Finch, who came out there, not afraid of Memphis, and popped him right in the mouth. Steven Adams didn't take a shot in this game, and he can't guard Cat. I don't think we're in disagreement with that. Jaron Jackson can, might win DPOY, and had, what, seven blocks yesterday as well as the block leader thing, but fouled out, and fouls have been an issue for him all year. It's a really interesting matchup, um, and I think it's the 2-7, but it's one of the most interesting we have. Minnesota maybe should have been a bit better this year with their consistency, but this is what we have. Before we do our predictions about who's going to win and who's not, is there anything else you guys want to mention in terms of what can swing this matchup? It's one of the more interesting, so we can spend a little bit more time on it. I've been on, I've been on the verge of saying that you know Memphis can get to the conference finals, but I'm be honest, man. Nothing else matters at this point, man. Ant, Ant- Man is here. I want people to understand that right now. Ant Man mm-hmm. is here. Black Jesus is here. Whatever you want to call him, he is here, and he has shown that he is built for these moments. Honestly, like I'll be real. Like I, I was on the podcast last uh, yesterday with my guy Mo. Shout out to my guy Mo. And there, there were times where I was not paying attention because I'm watching a, I'm watching Ant Man go to work, and it's like you know I just have a smile on my face just like watching it. But like it's 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 honestly like really fun to see. Honestly, so I'll be real. Like looking into the series, Minnesota's gonna make it competitive. Like I I think I predicted Memphis in six, but I think this series could possibly go seven, considering how like considering how things can shift. So. I'm not banking it that Minnesota can win. I'm not banking it that Memphis can win. But this is probably going to be one of the more competitive series that I don't think many people really expected. Yeah, I'm proud how we feel about it. Sorry about that. I, I agree with you on that. I think it's more seven. Um, I think I kind of want to pick Memphis, but I just want to be surprised in Minnesota win. But I'm gonna go with Memphis. I think I think Memphis gets it done in seven. Having um, home court, I think. That's still home court match, obviously. But I think home court would just work in a game seven to Memphis crowd amazing Memphis defense. Um and I don't think John Morant's gonna let his seat again like this, but I don't want to pick against Memphis right now. I don't trust I don't that's what it comes down to me. I don't trust Cat enough. I trust Anthony Edwards, but uh, I don't trust Cat enough. Or Memphis in seven with a big series for Anthony Edwards. I feel the same way about Cat. I don't know if he's gonna be this match that he is, or is he just gonna be Carl Anthony Towns like most likely? Cat like, just playing soft sometimes, man. Like, jeez. I don't think Cat understands how and the fact that he can dribble, he can shoot. Like, he's no matter the play, he's a mismatch. Jared Jackson isn't tall enough. Stephen Adams isn't fast enough. Minnesota in six. I'm not even like I'm keep working. Like, matches up well against Memphis. They the team that likes to run. Like Memphis like to run. Memphis, run. Memphis is a big team. Minnesota is might be a bigger team, especially with Nas Reed and Bradley coming off the bench. I like Minnesota offensive players better. Um, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. I know I missed somebody, McDaniel's, who probably end up being one of the better players in this league once he really gets into his game. I know 
I got Memphis winning, having coach of the year. I think Jared Jackson has a good chance to win defense player of the year. I think Memphis can win this series, but I also think this is a setup series for Memphis to lose, honestly. And yeah. I just don't know. Great, I know for great. I feel like Josh thirty this series. I just feel like after the was thirty, it's just gonna mean a little more, truthfully. Like, yeah, this is one of those ones where I said Memphis is seven, but when we get to game seven, I might change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota can't be on the hoop troopers until the last. Yeah, exactly. Trying to drag down. I'm actually going to agree with you, Johnny. Um, I don't think Minnesota. Oh, you're going Minnesota too? I don't think they lose any more of their home games. So I think Memphis wins their two remaining home games if it goes six. And Minnesota, listen. I understand that Minnesota, by all accounts, is considered a poverty franchise, and they probably should be with, with the with the the playoff lack and no rings. Obviously, very little playoff success. Good players in their history, but KG never had a good team around him beyond himself, and he dragged them to the playoffs. But that building loves that team. If you guys watch that play-in game where they beat the Clippers, that place was. It was better than any Brooklyn uh, crowd I've ever seen on TV. And I've got some people from Minnesota that when they got the matchup, in comparison to the other teams in the playoffs, they really liked their matchup with Minnesota. They got bigger guards that can beast on them. And Minnesota, this wasn't really talked about enough. They're the seventh seed, but they're the highest scoring team in the league this year. I think in points per game, they're the highest scoring point. Memphis is a good defense, but they're not necessarily um, – stopping defense you know especially with the lack of these wing defenders there's not elite wings on the timberwolves like a paul george or a Kawhi, but they've got Ant, and you need a wing defender for Ant. you can't stick no guard defender on Ant, and memphis doesn't have that so i think that memphis doesn't lose another game at home they win the next one they tie it up and then after the two home games in in uh minnesota they'll win but I think Minnie's going to take their games at home and it's going to go the distance six or seven with Minnesota doing it because I want, I think the plan was an exorcism. I want to hope that they're not cursed anymore. And whoever wins this series is just going to lose very badly to the Warriors anyway. So why don't we move on to another series? All right, let's take a look at the, the game that's going on right now. It's currently 38, 27 bucks. They're up by 11. The Chicago Bulls unfairly um, have dealt with a lot of injuries this year, like a lot of teams have, but them specifically lost Caruso for a large stretch of time due to a foul to keep it a buck with you. A foul with Grayson Allen, but even if you think that that was substantial, Lonzo Ball for a lot of the season and then ended up the rest of the season when his ramp up back to play didn't work. Vooch had COVID like twice. Pat Will was out for the season until a couple of weeks ago with a wrist injury. Uh, Zach and DeMar traded games that they were playing and weren't playing. It's been a tough year for Chicago. And despite all of that, really solid year back in the playoffs. Six seed, Zach Levine's first playoff game. And it just sucks that they're injured and they have to go against the reigning champions. I will talk about our predictions, but I don't think it's going to be anything too surprising. Even if they were healthy, fully healthy, they got no one for Giannis, who, again, might win MVP. Um, and if you don't have someone for him, it's very hard to pick against the Milwaukee Bucks. But even outside of that, they really don't have wing defenders out of Pat Will. So if someone's guarding Giannis, who's guarding Chris? And at that point, we're going to see what happens. Because in terms of Alex Cruz, who was a very good guard defender, listen, I watch the Bucks every single day, every single game that they have. 
I've never seen a player treat Alex Caruso like food like Drew Holiday does. Drew Holiday <laughs> is not intimidated by Caruso by any means. I know a lot about this matchup because I've been watching the Bucks and the Bulls and the division rivalry for about a decade now, and I'm going to talk about what my thoughts are, but I want to hear what your guys' are. Let's start with Dre, co-host, sir. We talked about this briefly. I know your thoughts, but I want you to explain them out a little bit on the podcast. This the the Milwaukee Bucks are gonna have a lot of rest up to this because this is gonna be a clean sweep. And it hurts me to say that because I've been a big fan of Chicago all year. But once once the Lazo news came out that he was gonna be out the rest of the year, that was like kind of what solidified for me that they're not getting out of the first round. I know that Lonzo doesn't really bring a lot scoring wise, but he's a great playmaker. He's a great on ball defender, so he brings a lot of that versatility to the table that a lot of guys can't do. And plus, you know, when you look at the experience, like this is Zach Levine's first um, playoff experience. Uh, a lot of guys who, who have never been in this um, in this position before, besides guys like DeRozan and Caruso, who obviously won a championship a few years ago. So, yeah. I, so unfortunately, when you have to go up against uh, the defending champs, who, in my opinion, look hungry. In my opinion, the books are clicking at the right time. You know, they're healthy now. They got Brooke Lopez back. I just think that it's a mismatch, in my opinion. Yeah. It's it's a mismatch in the sense that the Bucks are the reigning champions and a top five consensus player, but a mismatch in teams as well. Hooper Pod, do you feel any differently? I'm sure DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are deep within your hearts, and I, I mine as well. Awesome scores, clutch guys, DeMarzen especially this year, but let's be realistic for a second. How are we feeling about the matchup? I mean, honestly, I think you say the end of the game, even if the Bulls were fully healthy, I think the Bucks still would win the series. The injury, which the, the injuries have hurt, a really great season for them. Great resurgence from Demar. I love seeing him force his way into the MVP conversation, even if it was just for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But the Bucks this whole year is all it's all it's all been about repeating. They have great chemistry with their team. When your best player plays hard, like he's the 15th player on the, the roster, it just it's just a difference. Um, there's no one to stop Giannis right now in the league overall. So right. no, they just don't have a chance, in my opinion. I will be we'll get to that. I ain't gonna say numbers, but yeah, I don't I don't think the Bulls have to do much. No, yeah, I agree. And it sucks because the Bulls started off having such a great season while the whole team was healthy, Lonzo, Zach Levine, Mark, all those guys, and just as the injuries went on and the injuries kept lingering. They just went into a free fall, and DeMar tried his best, but he just couldn't hold on. And I'm just going to go ahead and say right now, I'm not giving the Bulls any I'm not giving them any chance against Milwaukee because at this point, in my in my vein, in my book, Giannis is realistic, like another finals MVP for being the second best power forever like in history, and I don't think the Bulls is going to stop that in the first round. Yeah, we believe we're already seeing his reign right now. He's coming up. Yeah, so shout out to the Bulls in the season they had. Billy Dog was a good coach. Pack him up, get him out of here. <laughs> yep. Pack him up. Honestly, John, I'll admit, like when you, when you just mentioned that that uh, the Giannis is the finest MVP away from uh, being the second greatest power forward, it kind of sparked up a, um, a debate topic for me. But I'm, I'm gonna save it to the end of the pod. I'm gonna save it to we'll, the end. We'll talk about it at the end there. If you're wondering why teams like Brooklyn and Boston stocked up on size at the trade deadline, and with guys like Daniel Tyson, Andre Drummond, why Milwaukee added a guy like Sergi Baca, even though they knew Brooke Lopez was going to be back. You're going to play either Embiid or Giannis in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and if you don't have a guy for that, odds are you're going to lose. Chicago doesn't, no matter what Tristan Thompson thinks of Nikola Vucevic, 
and the team is going to win. I've been watching the Bucks forever. They're winning pretty well right now, and the Bucks that I know usually don't sweep guys. Last year's sweep of the Heat was really nice. I'm going to go with Milwaukee in five. I'll give the Chicago crowd one win, but I think three of the four wins will be huge blowouts, including today. Dre, give me your prediction, then the Hoopers, and then we'll move on to the last one that I think we have. Yeah. It's going to be a sweep, and it's going to be a blowout every game. At least or at least 15-plus uh, point wins for Milwaukee every game. Right. I feel them on the Milwaukee doesn't use the sweet teams, but Milwaukee also doesn't usually win championships what they did last year. That's so fair. Four sweet ten plus points each game. I don't want to. I don't want to hear from Chicago fans for until you guys make the playoffs again. If we sweep you this year, there's been a whole lot of talk from you guys this year. A lot of fan fiction written by you guys about Tristan Thompson uh, following Grayson Allen into the dirt or something. Listen. That's fine, and fan fiction can bring something like internal, you know, like internal gratification. And you're going to need the internal stuff because you're not going to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Oh my god! Can we talk about how? Uh, can we talk about how Tristan Thompson is challenging Vucevic to be the best big in this series? I already made a dig about it. Listen, he's only saying that because he knows for sure he can't be the best big in that series. He's already been watching. He's been watched. Let's move on to the last series we're talking about. We have one half of the finals matchup in the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's go to the other half in Phoenix, who is going to be playing tonight. Um, it's cool that they have like the the. I mean, you know, they made the finals last year. They've got the game, but um, probably going to be the mo- one of the more boring games of the night once they do play tonight with Phoenix and New Orleans. And hell, I like New Orleans a lot. Let's talk about some guys that can score, like CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, not to mention they don't have Zion Williamson. They got guys like Devontae Graham off the bench, who's been a microwave guy before. And pretty good win against the Clippers. You know, without Paul George, but it wasn't like a bad game for most of the Clippers. Uh, Marcus Morris, Mook, and Reggie Jackson, who, man, 32-year-old Reggie Jackson might be my favorite version of Reggie Jackson. Some of the OKC and early Detroit Is he 32? Stuff was pretty cool. I think he's 32. Yeah, he's up there at this point. Dang. And I, I was really hoping for a Reggie Jackson moment, but we've got New Orleans in the playoffs. And listen, personnel alone, probably their big credit to Willie Green for getting them to this point. They started one in 13, don't forget. I, I, I'm not going to look it up, but I have to say that's got to be the worst start by any NBA team to make the playoffs in history. I can't imagine anyone doing worse than that and still making the playoffs. And they got good guys. I just personally, I underrate the Suns partially because I watched them lose four straight to my team in the finals. But I, I I see some people trying to make a case for New Orleans out here because of the hoopers that they have. I don't see it. They're too well run of a machine. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts, especially some of the matchups. Let's talk about some of the players. Uh, Johnny, let's start with you, sir. What do you think? Man, first and foremost, shout out Willie Green. Yeah. For that turnaround in New Orleans. He was a great he, he was a good player from New Orleans. He was great for that community, especially just as a basketball player. Um, shout out to CJ McCollum, who showed that he can be a lead guard for a playoff team. Shout out to Brandon Avery, who I feel like is one season away from really taking that step to be consistent. Yeah. Shout out to Valentine, who's taking his opportunity. Shout out to Jackson Hayes, who's behind his kill, has found his place in this rotation. But yeah. 
they just don't have enough. Shout out to Herb Jones and Trey Murphy as well. Because I'm Larry Nance, great not game in the plan. Anymore after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> you say it's a well oil machine. Muncy Williams. I hate to see black on black cry because Muncy Williams for the out coach the game to the <laughs> um, Devin Booker is going nobody else. Shout out to Herb Jones and Trey Murphy one more time. But if Devin Booker is who he say he is, and he is who a lot of people think he is, he's probably gonna average twenty eight this series on great efficiency. Valanciunas isn't quick enough to guard DeAndre A and Chris right. Chris Paul back right. Yeah, I don't like Chris Paul. We definitely finna show out this series because CJ McCollum isn't a good enough defender. Phoenix, they might not win it easy. Like it's gonna be some tough games, but I don't see Phoenix struggling at all in this series. And they just like they're just a good team. Like it's yeah, I don't even know how else to explain things. They're just a really good team. Yeah. Fresh, you feel the same? Overall, this uh, New Orleans, you have two players that could steal you a game. And with the fact that Willie Green coached for Phoenix, right. have that familiarity always works to getting a game. But um, I think Phoenix 64 wins this year. Regular season-wise, they look like the best team in the league. And, you know, I salute the New Orleans for turning it around. And obviously the trade makes them a different team. But – I think Phoenix like doubled their wins this year. So <laughs> I think I'm going Phoenix easy in this series. Yeah, it sucks that we can list so many notable players on the Pelicans and they just don't really have a shot against a really well run team. I'm really right. interested. My the only thing that I'm really going into the matchup looking for is Herb versus Booker. I really want to see what happens there because Ooh, that's going to be a fun one. Herb locked up two straight uh, teams to make it to the play, and a lot of it was him doing it. I think it's funny that before Phoenix, uh, the team that made it to the finals several years in a row in the West was the Golden State Warriors, and when they were the number one team in the league, New Orleans, uh, a lowly playoff team signed their assistant in Alvin Gentry, met them in the first round and got swept. And the same thing is probably going to happen this year where they got the best team in the league. They got their assistant coach just so they can get their ass kicked by them in the first round regardless. And listen, if it's New Orleans, you're not too worried about it. Um, I and Dre, if you've listened to the podcast, know that we're not big fans of David Griffin. I think that he's made a lot of mistakes, mainly the Lonzo Ball. You got you got to go to an episode from like nine months ago, man, where we just went off on David Griffin. But at the end of the day, if Zion comes back to this squad healthy, you've got a really solid team. I don't like the way that it got there, but you don't have to bat a hundred as a GM. Danny Ainge made like a, a dozen trades as a GM, and like three of them didn't work, but a majority of them did, and he got a team out there that you know several times was a contender. In New Orleans, you're gonna have CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram scoring around Zion, who's also put up nearly 30 in the one season he was healthy. Jonas Valanciunas, I think in that system, doesn't really work, but he's a good player at least. And then Herb locking it down on defense. It's a good team, theoretically, if they're healthy. And Brandon Ingram is showing up. Brandon Ingram is going to do what Jason Tatum did last year. Last year's Brooklyn-Boston series was very different to the one that is this year. But Tatum dropped 50 in game three, I want to say, to make sure it wasn't a sweep just because that's the type of player he is. I got to say Brandon Ingram's going to do the same against the Suns. Mikhail's a great defender, but he doesn't have the height. He's got the length for Ingram, but not the height. And if Ingram figures out that he can just shoot over him like guys like Chris Middleton have figured out, it, listen, Mikhail's great. Chris, 
and has never been defended by Mikhail. He's food to him just because he knows you can shoot over Mikhail. And if Ingram knows that, he'll be able to do that as well. And I think that wins them one game. Beyond that, Jonas is going to get neutralized in this series pretty easily by Aiton and the rest of that team. All the switches are going to get moved around. Herb versus Booker is going to be great, but they don't need Booker to be great to win this series. So I'm going clean sweep Phoenix in four. And, um, or sorry, five with Brandon Ingram putting up like 40 or 50 in one game to do it. Um, but that's going to be it for me before they move on to the second round. Do you guys feel any different? No, I agree. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be a Phoenix of five. I just, I just, I just, I just think that, you know, with the Suns, I think that this is a matchup that they just need to take advantage of. And then after that, just, you know, anticipate what's next. So I think, I think New Orleans will probably take game three or game four, but besides that, it's going to, it's, it's going to be done after game five. Yeah, I can see New Orleans taking one game because CJ and, and Brandon combined for like 80 points in a game. Yeah. But besides that, that can be. Yeah. Phoenix and five all the way around. That's just a better team. And so Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum is going to win at least one in New Orleans. But they yeah. Put them in the air. Get them out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a positive note for New Orleans who – could have easily ended up with the first round pick with the beginning of the season, how it went. That's what we got for the playoff series. Um, we can start wrapping it up, but I guess we'll, let's do one uh, final question before Dre. I think you had a debate topic that you wanted to do. Yeah. But um, we've all seen one game. By the end of tonight, it'll be one game. I can't imagine it's going to be that interesting of a game to miss out. But for the rest of these series, what's the one thing that you guys are looking forward to the most? Let's start with Dre. Say that question one more time. Sorry. What's the most uh, thing you're looking forward to the most in the remaining games in round one? Another dominant Ant Man performance. I don't disagree. Fresh. What are you? What about you? It's I was really gonna go the same way, um, but just I want to see Memphis. I want to see Memphis uphold their season. Like I, I want to see them be who they were this year. So that'd be interesting to see for me. That's what I'm looking at. Johnny, how about you? I want to see stars be stars. Like yeah. this, playoffs, this is what when you start talking about. I want max money. I'm this type of player. I'm that caliber player. Can't I? I love a regular season, but are you gonna do it now when it's coaches? They 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 zoned in on you. Like is Joel and B gonna be able to count whatever Nick Nurse throw at him? Is Trey Young gonna be able to yeah. explode against Miami? Never Ant Man, all those players. So stars gonna be stars. Because that's what they play what I'm looking forward to most in the rest of the first round is a bloodbath, back-breaking seven-game series between Boston and Brooklyn before they meet a freshly rested Milwaukee Bucks in the second round. It's a, it's a Bucks fan right here, right now, reporting to you guys live on the podcast. Dre, was there something you wanted to debate before we wrap this podcast up? Oh, yeah. So my guy John is, um, had a statement where he said that Giannis is a finals MVP away from being one of the top – or being uh, one of the top two um, – Best power forwards of all time. So it's, it made me smart about the debate. So, like, who do you guys got? So, this is a guy that I'm going to uh, match up with against Giannis. He's actually one of my third greatest players or my one of my third personal favorite players of all time. Who do you guys got? Like, one on one accolades or whatever, Giannis or KG, Kevin Garnett? Oh, um, they're the same mentality wise, which I think if you do one on one with KG with a lot of players in NBA history, you'd say his mentality gives him the edge, like he wants to kill you. But they got the same. So 
I'm going to stay out of the debate in terms of most of it. Just know that with my upbringing, where I was born and raised, there's no way I'm going to go against my guy. But what do you guys think? Uh, I'll go first. I know you got something. So, but for me, it's respect to both of them. We grew yeah. up in the watching KG, Tim Duncan, Dirk, and all of those great power forwards. Seeing him win his MVP and defensive player of the year for that Boston team. Giannis is a better player. I'll take Giannis. Taking Giannis. Ball handling that hit. his mid range that he had, which KG did have. KG had an amazing yeah. range. But Giannis' range with how he handles the ball put him over the top for me, over KG. I respect that. Like I said, KG, great player for a long time in the NBA. And just even to the point of them having the same mentality, I truthfully, if you really look at Giannis' game, he actually plays like KG with the ball handling, yeah. with how he posts up. That makes sense. I just feel like the one separator, and I even like going back, remember KG career in his prime. KG was never this aggressive offensively as a scorer, or even just as a creator, mm-hmm. teammate, or as greatest defensive player KG was. He was never. I know how you feel about Giannis as a defender, but Giannis is a really aggressive defender when he takes that pound on and being an offender. And yeah. In a one-on-one game, I probably would take Giannis just because of that. Like him and KG gonna go back and forth. But Giannis is also like 15 pounds stronger. Like it's fair to say that Giannis is KG 2.0. I think. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It really is. Like you pay attention to his game. Yeah, yeah. KG has dropped into you know develops in the 2020s, the early or the late 20 uh, teens, and he probably gets a lot of the stuff added to his game that Giannis does as well. You know. That mid-range he has shows up earlier. He's taken more threes. KG's uh, probably a, a pretty good three-point shooter if his free throws and mid-range are any indication, which Giannis is taking strides in, but he's never going to be like a naturally gifted shooter, I don't think, like KG was from the mid-range. And listen, there's no love lost between the two either. KG, when Kid was still the coach, showed up a lot to train Giannis. I'm sure that's a lot where Giannis learned about stuff. He had that hunger and that fire before KG, but there was a guy mm-hmm. that had that and succeeded in the league as well. Of course, we all know that KG was talking about Thon when he was there, and Thon never turned anything, but he was still training Giannis for a lot of it. And in terms of accolades, I mean, Giannis already did the thing that KG couldn't do, which is win on his own team. And that's no disrespect to KG because Minnesota, up until this fucking year, still wasn't able to put around a team against their star, right? KG gets put on a team like current Milwaukee. He could probably win a title. That doesn't make him as good as Giannis, but... I don't think it's fair to say, but in on his resume, his resume is already better than KG's. It already is, and that's pretty yeah. much where we are now. That's about what we've got. It's the first weekend of the playoffs. I don't know about you guys, but I just stayed in. I would go to the gym early in the morning and then because the game started at 10 a.m. on the West Coast, which is just great for me who wants to wake up and watch basketball. So I hit the gym for the other ones and just watched them two straight days, and I plan on doing it for the rest of these days that are coming. We'll be releasing weekly. I'm sure next week we'll be halfway through each series. Uh, we might have a guest for that. We might not. We'll catch you then. But first, let's shout out the guests for coming on again. Yes, sir. Cooper Pod. But let me get their Twitter ads individually. You can find Fresh at Worldwide Fresh. I believe there's an O missing in the – no, uh, there's no D. Worldwide Fresh. <laughs> Jonathan underscore Dubia. It's D U B Y A for his last name. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But it's at Hooper's Pod. Most importantly, dropping episodes. And like they said, they've got the weekly shows uh, that they're dropping as well. Guys, this was a lot of fun, especially after so much fun watching 
this weekend. We needed to talk about it, so I'm glad you guys were on. Thanks for coming on, guys. No, I appreciate yes, it. Sir. Appreciate Charlie anytime. You know, love to be back on here again for sure. We'll have more collaborations oh, yeah, in the future. In the meantime, though, go follow us at Hoop Truther Pod on Twitter. It's Hoop Truther Studios on YouTube, where the video will be up. Dre Nick, at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter, dropping articles almost every other day. If you want to follow him there, myself, if you guys care, it's at underscore Lucifer. That's Lucifer with a G. If you really want to look up my Twitter at. It's what we're talking about now. It's hoops and jokes that I shouldn't be making because I can't play. So if you want to see more of that, go give us a follow. Until then, though, we'll see you next week. Playoffs are finally here. Deuces. Deuces.